0: I'm Dan Clausen, and this is The Zealous Podcast, where everything we do is to inspire and equip the body of Christ for the comprehensive discipleship of the next generations. I would like to take a quick moment and specifically welcome back some of our international listeners to the podcast, Dave and Diane in Mexico, Bernard in Nairobi, Bree in Australia, along with our growing family of brothers and sisters in Christ in Canada. We love you all and are continuing to pray for gospel progress in your countries, churches, and homes. To God be the glory. I hope you were encouraged from last week's episode, Proclaiming the Glorious Gospel of Jesus Christ, not only in the discipleship of the next generation, but also in your own followership of Christ. Knowledge alone does not bring freedom from sin. Knowledge alone does not bring freedom from sin. So then, how purposeful are we being in the discipleship of the next generation? This episode, Disciple the Mind, Heart, and Will, walks us beyond just the mind of the child and into prayerfully engaging the heart and influencing the will of the next generation. Let's listen in as David, Sally, and Jill discuss the fifth commitment for the discipleship of the next generations, Disciple the Mind, Heart, and Will.
1: We've been talking about the whole council of God, teaching all that the Christ has commanded us, and now trying to unfold over the course of 20 years, the whole gospel. How do you actually set out to do that? I mean, got, you roll up your sleeves, now we've got to set about this task. How do we do it?
2: Good question. <laughs> Which leads to our fifth commitment, which is the importance of discipling the mind, heart, and will, the whole child. And um, it starts with the mind, of course. Children cannot act upon that which they don't know. Mm-hmm. So we need to give them knowledge of the truth, the Bible, and instruct their mind with it. And what I mean by that is instructing the mind is not simply presenting children with information. it's t- it's instructing them how to think, how to process that information, how to interpret that information. There's there's a distinction between reading the Bible, which that's a place we start, but also studying the Bible. And so we need to intentionally be teaching children how to think biblically and critically and reason with scripture. And that's one of the reasons why we really encourage. You need the Bible in teaching children, and you need them to be looking at their Bible to understand mm-hmm. how to read and interpret and imply scripture. So of course it's going to be dependent on age. Preschoolers, younger children, you are mainly giving them information, um, and they need that, that gospel alphabet as we talked about. But then you need to start building thinking skills in them. For example, in first grade when we look up a verse and these children, these first graders are looking in their Bible and we have one verse, maybe Isaiah 44:24, asking specific questions even for a first grader. It's about God creating the earth by myself, hmm. who alone stretched out the heavens and earth. And children, you know, you can ask questions. What word does the Bible use to show that God didn't have any helpers when he created the heavens and the earth by myself alone. It seems simple, but you're teaching a first grader Mm -hmm. important Bible study Mm -hmm. skills. And you just build on that time after time. So a lot of people talk about active learning in Mm -hmm. children and why it's so important. And too often, active learning means, you know, having them Mm -hmm. jump up and down Mm -hmm. or act out parts. When we talk about active learning, the most important activity is what's going on in here, Mm -hmm. that they're actively engaged with the scriptures. They're learning, what does this verse mean? How does it fit into the bigger context of God's word? How does it inform a particular doctrine? What does it say about God? So that needs to be very intentional um, as we educate our children to have that mindful One of the things that has been amazing to me is how many children grow up with lots of Bible facts, but they don't know how to think biblically. Mm. They don't know how this verse is informed by these passages of scripture or how it fits into the bigger picture of the gospel or who man is or who God is. So I think that's where we need to start with instructing the mind. Insane that instructing the mind is really important. It is the first step. It's not the end game. Because right thinking is meant to lead to right feelings and desires and right actions, right living.
1: So, So how do you move from right thinking to right feeling, right actions? How does that happen?
3: Well, I think we're asking the question, I mean, we want the child to ask, the, answer the question, what should I think, what should I be, what should I do? And I think we're talking about the heart, which should follow what you, you know, you should not just know the truth, you should embrace the truth, you should love the truth. And I think it starts with the heart of the teacher. I mean, I remember being in seventh and eighth grade, my parents were in Ecuador at the time and Barbara Udarian, whose husband, was one of the five martyr missionaries there was my Sunday school teacher and i don't remember a lot of what she taught me but i do remember how she taught me and what i remember about this gentle kind woman was she had suffered greatly her husband had been killed by the alka indians and yet she was still in the mission field she was running a guest house and she loved the lord and she loved the word and so often when she would teach us she would have tears in her eyes and I just remember as a young seventh eighth grader, or eighth and ninth grader thinking i want to be like that i want to have those kinds of affections and and i know one of the mothers uh, from our church told me that her daughter told her and her brother was probably in fourth grade at the time maybe said you know my daughter said to me when mrs michael voice cracks (laughs) i know i have to listen really carefully because it's something really important and i think the first step of being able to touch the heart is that you let the Word of God, you let His love, you let His truth sink deep into your own heart. And then you're teaching out of the overflow of your own heart. And when you're teaching out of the overflow of your own heart, I think the Holy Spirit uses that to touch the hearts of children. And so that, the first thing I would say is you got to have a teacher who teaches not just from the head, but teaches from the heart. And then you ask questions you ask them to interact you say what does this mean in everyday life you start to put it into context for them so they understand this intersects with what I do in school and how I react in my family and how I treat my friends how I'm interacting with my grandmother and grandfather and so I think it means asking a lot of questions I think application comes really well through questioning making the child think okay so what does this mean in real life what does it mean i what should i what should i be like what should i be feeling what what does god want me to do so i mean once you get that heart involved in them wanting to follow the lord then the next step is that they actually go out and they put into practice what they have learned we can lead them to see what the application is we can't help we can't make them do the application and so we want a child walking out of the classroom knowing this is what God is calling of me. This is how this interacts with my life. This is how I, the kind of person I want to be, and this is what I'm going to do about it. Those are easy things to say. We can say we want to touch the heart and the will of a child, and we can try in our teaching to lead them to see what that means. We can't make them make that step.
1: There needs to be an alertness to the heart. I think just watching you be a mom to our daughters, just this relentless pursuit of the heart. They would often know what the right thing to do was, but you are often just alert to what's the heart response to what they know and pressing in on the heart. And I think even as a teacher, I'm communicating truth. when They need to get this truth, but, but is there a heart response yeah, and, to and it?
3: And asking the hard questions is, okay, this is, this is hard to do. This is hard to love, isn't it? whats is, What in your soul is fighting against this? Because we all have a sin nature that wants to fight against you know, the truth and loving God and walking in His ways and embracing the, the, the truths of Scripture. And, and to be honest about that and say, yes, it's a struggle. We need to look at our own hearts. They're not always right, are they? And giving a child permission to answer questions honestly and not be condemned or and say, yep, we're in this with you, we're gonna be praying for you. And They can express fear, they can express worry, they can express concern, they can express doubt. I mean, I I think
2: kids should be able to say, this is really hard to believe. Yep, it is. I think something that's also important in that is um, because children can be Mm feelings-based and we need to make sure that we're giving them biblical responses, what does God call us to feel Mm -hmm. and desire? Um, So that we're not just, do you feel like this? You feel, we're giving them a call. Jesus is commanding you to repent and believe. Mm -hmm. God is calling you to love him most of all. God is calling you to be humble. And by engaging the heart, asking those questions in such a way that we're challenging them that this is not just about because many children will express well i love jesus i Mm -hmm. love jesus Mm -hmm. and what does that really mean and i think we have to make sure we give them engage the heart in the context of the authority of scripture that their feelings are to come in submission to what god has called us
1: yeah i think back to sally's example of Barbadarian, one of the things we can give them is an example of the kind Mm -hmm. of heart and that's why in our lesson preparation, we put such an emphasis on pondering these truths that we're trying to communicate and applying them to our own lives first, because if they're real in us, that's going to communicate Mm -hmm. more powerfully, I think, than just the words coming out of our mouth. What is they witness a heart that is rightly responding to this truth, that's that's going to impact them. They're
2: really perceptive in many ways. If somebody's just up there giving them a spiel or that, like Sally said, it's coming out of a heart that's just Mm -hmm. been, it it comes across in a different way. Mm -hmm. And God uses it because it's coming out of the Holy Spirit working within you. And that has power, not just our words. Mm -hmm. Our words in and of themselves have no power. It's Mm -hmm. God's word, alighted by the Holy Spirit.
3: And I think children are encouraged when they see that we are walking alongside them as sinners, saved by grace, and that we struggle with the same things they struggle with. And we identify with them as co-sinners, learning to walk in God's ways, learning to have the right affections for Him and His Word. And I think that's helpful for them to see, no one has arrived, we're all in this together, and we're coming alongside, living Coram Deo, before the face of God, and how do we authentically do that? I remember teaching 5th um, and 6th grade when, and we were going over David's psalm of confession and we, ta- we were talking about what happens when you have sin and you don't confess it. And David talks about his bones are drying. You know, you know it's just very, very descriptive there in that psalm. And, 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 I, and I, it wasn't part of the lesson. It was just Holy Spirit prompted. I said, does anybody have an experience of sin, having sinned, and, not, and just hiding it in your heart and not confessing it. The fifth grade boy raised his hand. He said, yeah, I was in a fishing contest and I said that I, wa- I I caught, I think it was three or four, I don't remember, three or four fish. And I caught, he really caught one less than he said. And he said, I lied. <laughs> and I said and he said, I got a trophy. And I said, mm-hmm. well, how does, that, how does that affect you now? He says, every time I look at that trophy, I feel guilty. And you could hear a pin drop in that classroom. And I said, you don't have to live with that. And we walked through what repentance and confession. And he did it. I mean, it was just, it was a beautiful time in our classroom. And not just for that boy who was brave enough to confess his sin, but for everyone watching and recognizing sin is something you take seriously. You don't want it in your life. You feel guilty when you look at this trophy. And I said, you can be free from that.
2: And that's gospel grounded teaching. It is. It's, the aim of that lesson wasn't just to go directly to the right. cross, but a teacher, you use that because the whole lesson was grounded in the great truth of the gospel. You use that. And that was a gospel grounded yes. lesson that had great impact.
3: And, and I don't think a child walked out of that room without getting the point of that lesson. Yeah. <laughs> and I it it was a beautiful moment i actually talked to his parents afterwards and said i just want you to know what happened in our classroom today so that they could follow up and make sure that he um, followed through with his repentance
1: yeah and you really couldn't have prepared for that you couldn't have, I couldn't have made that right happen right which is one of the challenges when it comes to yeah,
3: you can set a table you can't right, make the children right. eat
1: which really takes us to our next (laughs) commitment
3: isn't that handy?
1: (laughs) commitment number six we need to pray with dependence on God's sovereign grace
0: thank you for joining us for this conversation between David Sally and Jill discussing the commitment to disciple the mind heart and will apart from Christ we can do nothing which should drive each one of us committed to the comprehensive discipleship of the next generation to pray with dependence on God's sovereign grace. Join us for our next episode titled Just That, Pray with Dependence on God's Sovereign Grace. We consider it a gift to inspire and equip the church and the home for the comprehensive discipleship of the next generation. Visit us at truth78.org for access to all of our training, resources, and don't hesitate to reach out if there is a way we can equip and serve you in the discipleship of the next generation. Now, may the Lord grant us to be zealous together that the next generations may know, honor, and treasure God, setting their hope in Christ alone so that they will live as faithful disciples for the glory of God.